Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Alex Coos. And I'm Rob Enough. And I'm Jeremy Duvall. And that's right, we are back again to talk about all things Kings of War, U.S. Masters, and the Best of the Rest Tournament that Alex and I just got back. It was an amazing weekend. Over 100 players gathered in upstate New York, in uh, Nichols, New York, to compete in both the Kings of War Masters and the Best of the Rest side event. And really, you know, Masters is a special time where we come together from all over the country to share our love of the hobby. So it was a great event. I know I played in the U.S. Masters. Alex played in the Best of the Rest tournament, had great success. So uh, in this episode, we're, co- we're going to just talk about our experiences, uh, what we loved about the event, uh, and just kind of go over our adventure in New York. Uh, first things first, you know, it's been out there in the community, and I sort of, uh, you know, Rob and I and the rest of the Countercharge uh, family just wanted to sort of address the uh, cheating issue at U.S. Masters, uh, talk about it very, very briefly, and then uh, we're going to move forward and look at all the things that we're really excited about coming up in Kings of War. So I thought I would read briefly the U.S. Masters Council, which the council, uh, essentially how Masters works. If you don't know, there's eight geographic regions uh, spread throughout the country. And then each of those regions sends their top eight players as determined by that region. So you within a region determine you know, who are the eight players you want to send. Uh, and then you have a 64-person tournament once a year. And each of those regions have a chair. So basically the, the master chair of your region, you're the coordinator, you're, you do some logistics, and you sort of uh, uh, help guide your region as you are preparing for masters. So I'm just going to read the uh, release from the U.S. Masters Council regarding what happened, in case you hadn't seen it on Facebook. Uh, you know, we'll say a couple brief things about it, and then we'll move on. So... As many of you know, this past weekend, the U.S. Masters Tournament was held in New York, along with a side tournament, the Best of the Rest. Together, these tournaments brought together over 110 players who all love Kings of War. Unfortunately, the U.S. Masters Tournament also experienced an incident that required a response from both the tournament organizers and the U.S. Masters Council. A question was raised about a player's dice by multiple, multiple opponents after the first day of the tournament. Once this concern was brought up to the tournament organizers, he was asked to use house dice for his next game. Following the event, the U.S. Masters Council has taken steps to thoroughly investigate what occurred, including interviewing parties involved, analyzing photographic evidence, and examining the dice in question. After review, the council found sufficient evidence to determine that an impropriety had occurred. This is a sad situation that none of us take lightly. Due to his conduct, this, the player in question will no longer be eligible to be invited to future Kings of War U.S. Masters events. We hope that this never happens again, that our community will move past this very unfortunate situation, and we will continue to enjoy all of our wonderful events across the world with the utmost of integrity. 
Sincerely, Chris Kapsner, chair of the U.S. Masters Midwest region. So first off, I just want to say very briefly thanks to Chris, thanks to all the other uh, council members from the Kings of Order uh, Masters Committee. Uh, the things that I really want to highlight in this, and then I'm going to pass it over to Rob, is that the issue was identified, action was taken during the event. After the event, the council did extensive research, looking at the evidence, going through all due diligence steps, uh, and the player in question, uh, after determining, as the uh, statement says, that impropriety happened, was banned from future masters, so action was taken expediently and within um, a paradigm of fairness. For me, the only thing I'm going to say about this is Kings of War is an amazing hobby, and it's a hobby that we all have agency empowered to create in the, the sort of uh, scope that we want. And as far as I'm concerned, this type of behavior has no room in our amazing hobby, period, end of story. So I'm excited to moving forward. Um, what about you, Rob? Is there anything that you kind of want to say on this? Well, I mean, it's a sad situation, right? Um, but what I do want to mention is it's in everybody's ability or everybody has the ability to have good dice etiquette. And so I just wanted to mention a few things that if we if we can all follow these simple tips, I think this would uh, – I don't want to say eliminate. I mean, if certainly if someone is deliberately trying to cheat, it's – they're going to find a way around it, but this is this is the way I would like to see dice being played uh, going forward. And I think ninety nine percent of the people already do this, but you know, use dice that are easy to read for you and your opponent. Have your dice. Um, I, I like to see them segregated or in blocks so that you can quickly count them out. Right. Never ever ever use dice with symbols where you've got some on the one and some on the sixes. That's just a recipe for disaster. Even if you're not intending to be nefarious, uh, you can just mess that up, right? So my personal preference, just put all of the symbols on the sixes. Roll your dice in an area of the table, which in easy reach of the both players and in easy visibility of both of the players. I mean, you, you should be above board. Everybody should be able to see all the dice. As I'm rolling them and after I'm rolling them, I'm confirming with my opponent to verify that what I needed to roll on the dice is correct and pick up your misses. That way, if you mess up, it's not in your favor. Uh, finally, uh, um, when you're done pulling the misses, just say, hey, did I miss any? I like to do that. Uh, finally, pick up the, the hits that are left and use those to roll the damage. It saves time. And also, be open, man. If they want to look at your dice or they want to use your dice, by all means. right? Uh, so just... This kind of etiquette when using dice is going to go a long ways to making, you know, uh, a more open and friendly atmosphere, right? And um, so I think that's all we really should say about it. I mean, I think the reality is it is it is what it, it occurred. We've figured it out. We've made corrections. We move on. Onwards and upwards, if anything, the community is going to come out stronger after this situation. So as far as that, I feel like, you know, we've touched on it. And that's kind of what the show has to say about that. But I know, Rob, you weren't able to make it to Masters, and a lot of people missed your oh-so-sweetly tones all weekend long. I just want to say, was was there anything you wanted to say about not being able to make it to Masters or just uh, any shout-outs you want to give, like post-Masters? It was terrible having to miss Masters, right? Because obviously had all the arrangements made, um, had everything planned, and then basically work was going to send me to Oklahoma City the next week. And I was going to have to leave – from upstate New York on Sunday morning to get to Oklahoma city. Uh, and so the, the closer to the time it got more and more of my master's time was being encroached by work, which, Hey, 
that's life, right? So at the end of the day, I just figured, you know what? I'm just going to pull the plug on it um, and just uh, use those days, save those days, and use them for something else. But, yeah, I was a little bit heartbroken having to miss it. Obviously, it's a great time. Um, the largest, I think, I think one of the largest events in, in the world, right? Because we had Best of the Rest and Masters, tons of players. Um, and it's a great event. I mean, I've been to the first... I mean, I went to the, I, I ran the first one with Kings of War, and then we went. So that was in Nashville. Then we had Chicago, uh, and then what? San Antonio. Yep. So this is the fourth one, and you know, very disappointed to miss it. But thanks to uh, Amy Stamper uh, for her great uh, streaming of the games, I was able to kind of still feel a little bit, you know, involved. Was able to watch the the the, the, the master ceremonies, but just. Super proud of what Corey and John and all those guys up in the Northeast were able to do. It was, I mean, from all, from 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 everybody that I've talked to, it was an amazing event. And big shout out to the guys that made the trophies. Um, those are some really high watermark that you've made. I mean, the trophies were, if you haven't seen them, they were basically representations of the magical artifacts. So they had like a boomstick and a conjurer staff and a throwing mastiff. I mean, just out, out of control, crazy, cool stuff. Um, so definitely... I'm excited about, I mean, this, that's year four. Um, we had 64 players there, right? So I can't wait to see what we do next year. Yeah, it was, really was. And I think that's the overall theme um, as we're kind of uh, taking you through uh, my adventure through Masters and Alex's venture through Best of the Rest, talking about what we liked, you know, maybe maybe small critiques that we had or suggestions for improving Masters. But, but the umbrella I want that to be in is that shout out to John and uh, Corey and all the Northeast guys and that it truly was an amazingly one run event. Just, just really top-notch. Uh, uh, Masters only gets better each year. You don't think it could even it could get better, but then the following year it does. So yeah, I really I, agree. 100% really agree. Yeah, I I am shocked because I mean I thought we ran a pretty good event in Nashville, but then when we ran it in Chicago, it was just a you know it was better. It had some of the critiques we gave, like with paint and stuff, paint judging. That was you know, and we, and we every year we seem to be improving. So I mean. I don't know where we're going to be next year. That's and wherever it's going to be though, it's going to be amazing. You know, and they've been really open to to suggestions because that's really each time we we do something, we should see it a challenge as you know again another pathway to mastery, and we can uh, even in success we can learn how to always be getting better, always be improving, and um, I think they were really open and proponents of that attitude in running the event because you Rob, you run an event of that size, some stuff is going to come up. It's just with that many players, but just again. Hats off to them. Truly, a, a lot of effort and work went rent, went into running it, and that uh, effort and work definitely was noticeable. So, um, cool. Well, what we're going to do is, like I said, I played in the U.S. Masters. Uh, Alex played in the Best of the Rest, which was the side event. So we're just going to kind of take you through um, our experience in both those events. And then also we're going to kind of cap the show with Adepticon is around the corner. And I know Rob's super excited. I know I'm just pumped for Adepticon. Oh. Uh, so we're kind of, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about what our Adepticon plans are. That's going to be kind of how we cap the episode. Hey, hey um, is, is, is Alex going to make it to Adepticon too? Sadly, I think I'm going to have to. Oh, dagger in my heart, man. Yeah, we could have had the full it team is. there. Everybody but Matt Crozier. Had a bit of a. You know some some family stuff. And I understand. Up, so it's gonna be tough next to year. Make it next year. Next year. But next year for sure. 
I just got to get a big fat head of Alex's face and cut some eye holes in it. And then I'll just like wear it for some of my games and uh, he'll be there. So we'll he'll have photographic evidence. Well, as many of you saw, like the, the last couple weeks for me and my journey to Masters were really all revolved and rotating around my paint table. <laughs> which was a little folding table. I moved in uh, with my own abbess, uh, Hillary, in the beginning of February. We found a place, um, and I moved just the bare essentials, which the bare essentials in the three weeks prior to Masters was my painting supplies and my clothes, and that was it. And as the uh, amazing, awesome partner that she was, she was super supportive of me in finishing my project. Uh, and it was just crazy how the crunch time of an event, I finished two hordes of Ogre Palace Guard um, to as highest a standard as I could finish, um, or to my highest, the best standard that I can do. Um, I had uh, two troops of Paladin Foot Guard that I got about halfway done. And then I got uh, uh, the resin Abyss model that I'll talk a little bit more that I finished in um, my hotel room on Friday during After Dark Live. But we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, So that was sort of um, my hobby journey or my journey up until Masters was just putting the hours and hours into paint. You know, After Dark was off the hook. Everyone was finishing their projects. They were talking strategy. They were talking lists. You know, we had the the pre-masters matchup cast, which is always a big, uh, fun uh, success and a, a cool way to kind of hear about you know who you're going to play, uh, the early sort of narratives and drama of the event. Um, for the West Coast, we chose to fly into New York City and drive to Nichols, upstate New York. There was no direct flights to that local airport. And when you're flying with um, miniatures, it's nice to just get on one plane and go and not have to worry about changing planes. And it was just much cheaper. We saved a couple hundred bucks flying to New York. So what we did is we had two car captains. We had Rashad driving the Cheesemobile, uh, and he had the Southern California guys going up. And then Brinton, myself, and Dustin Liu from the Bay Area were in a car. So we all landed in New York about after the afternoon on Thursday and just hopped in a car and road tripped for about four hours up to the event. And we were talking hobby. We were talking strategy. It was really a great time to sort of uh, just uh, have that road trip kind of vibe, but only for a few hours. We ended up going, we were looking for a place to eat and kind of in the middle of nowhere. So I pulled up my Google map and was like, hey, guys, there's a Denny's near here. And it was like, well, you know, Denny's, you know what you get. You know, let's just go there. So we take this, like, uh, exit, and we're in this little, like, New England-looking town. And all of a sudden, we're at the corner, and it's like, it should be right here. And we looked up, and there was a restaurant, and the restaurant was called Danny's, like Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, and not Denny's. So I had looked on my Google map and just saw Danny and thought Denny's in my head. But it ended up being fine. It was kind of like a hole-in-the-wall bar with food and everything. So we, it was just funny to be like, where's the Denny's? And it was right in front of us. So, um, But we had a great time. Uh, Cruz got to the event Thursday afternoon, evening. Um, what about you, Alex? What, what was sort of uh, – were you painting to the last minute? Or talk a little bit about that final prep for best of the rest for you. Yeah, so it was like with the third edition, Rat can – changed a little bit not a ton so i could re i could use a lot of my existing army that i was using through second edition which was nice which 
led me to put off painting new units until far too late. So I was painting until about Thursday night at around like 10 p.m. the, the week at, the week before the best of the rest. Um, I had I added in some of the new characters because that's kind of just what I have done the last few years. Every time something new happens with the army, like I added tunnel runners and stuff last year, and this year I added in some brood mothers and the tangle and a mutant rat fiend. So I didn't have a lot to paint, but you know they're the bigger bigger kind of centerpiece models so i spent a bit of time doing up some a conversion for my tangle which i was thinking about for a very long time and then finally put together in the last week which i'm pretty happy with and then i painted up a big mercia mutant rat fiend so that was my painting modeling journey it's a bit you know a lot of procrastination and you know a lot of late nights leading up the week leading up um we were pretty lucky. Like our gaming group is about four and a half hours from Nichols, so we just drove up, you know, Thursday, uh, Friday morning, got there mid afternoon, and uh, Friday night was like is busy. It was awesome to like just like meet so many different people from around the country. Like most of the tournaments in the Northeast, you get a good group of people, but you know, with the last couple Universal Battle tournaments that have been run for the last year or so. I've played people from around the world, around the country, and it was neat to meet, you know, I think like Kyle Peach from the Midwest and, you know, even just some people from like the Mid-Atlantic, like Adam Ortel and stuff that I had played and talked with online, but never had a chance to like, you know, meet in person, which was nice. So, and uh, our crew, we had about five people from Ontario drive down. So like me, uh, John McCready, Steve MacArthur, Mike McCready, and Matt Vermeeren. So it's the, our five of our more, you know, hardcore players, tournament players from the group going down for best of the rest, which was, it's always better to travel like with friends when you have a five hour drive. Um, you know, leading up, second, uh, third edition was a bit of a change, like I was saying, for rats. So it took me a while to come up with a good list, but we had a warm-up tournament at the beginning of February, which really helped kind of shake things out. And again, like the Universal Battle Tournament was useful as well. So I felt pretty comfortable with my list going into the weekend, which was which was nice, because I think at the beginning of the year, I was not sure about how the Ratkin Army was going to work. And just for listeners, the Ratkin Army review is coming with new data coming from the Masters and Best of the Rest. Ooh, exciting. Yeah, awesome. the one I would say, like, we were talking about suggestions for future Masters and tournaments. I just wish there was about 28 or 30 hours in the day because it just, like, we just ran out of time to do everything we wanted to do. We, we thought we would be able to record the Ratkin Army review while we are there, but things just, oh, everything just gets more hectic when you're actually at the tournament so it's good to meet everyone and see everyone like yeah and and me not being there doesn't help either right because normally we have our full portable recording studio and we record our annual uh, empire of dust review and a whole lot of other stuff so yeah it's unfortunate we we probably lost uh i don't know 20 hours of usable content probably well we were joking up there rob it was like while we were talking we're like well then that's two and a half months of content that we're missing this year just from like how many separate episodes we usually get out of masters but. yeah yeah we'll have to double down for adepticon yeah 
But it'll be good because now we have, you know, everyone who brought rats will have, and every, and all the other armies will have that giant, you know, high pressure tournament to uh, inform any future uh, army reviews. I think that'll be very helpful. And like Alex said, you know, it's really tough at a big event like this to to say hi or spend as much time with everyone just because, and it's something Jake talks a lot about on Unplugged, is that this is the one time a year where you get to see all your buddies and sometimes there's just not enough time to see everyone. But, um, you know, that Thursday night was pretty cool. There was a couple people there. Some of the uh, Pacific Northwest guys were there. Dan, Mama Miner. Uh, Dan Miner and Mox, Mark Cox were sharing a, a hotel room, and the joke, joke was that they were just going to put their two beds together and create mega bed, and just have the best old time. Um, Thursday night found me on the craft table with Shannon Shoemaker, and thanks to me, his Adepticon trip is completely bought and paid for via the Tioga Downs craft table. So th- you're welcome, Shannon. Thank you very much. Um, but we had a great time. The event was held in a casino, so there was a little bit of casino action. But I was really happy, Rob, in that it that didn't take away from the hangouts. People were still in different people's hotel rooms. There was a Mario Kart tournament going on in one room. There was the uh, all the debauchery that you would expect at a, a miniature wargaming tournament was happening. Some of the uh, teams had had rented suites. Like uh, the mountain people were all in one giant suite together. So uh, the the uh, the fear that the casino would sort of take people away uh, from the community action uh, was not really there. I felt everyone was still. Uh, hanging out and um, having a great time. So that was pretty fun for both for that Thursday night, you know, as people were uh, trickling in. Um, and even into Friday, like it was just, you know, we got, to, I got to meet a bunch of like after dark people, like shout out to Rashad and all the West coast and uh, Pacific Northwest guys that we had dinner with on Friday night. And it's just, yeah, everyone was, You'd walk through the casino, but and like you'd, every once in a while, a couple people would go. But most of the time, people were just like you know, just going from group to group, hanging out with all the different people, which was amazing. Yeah, no, it was really great. Um, on Friday, I had posted some pictures, so um, a couple of people were going to the um, Frank Frazetta. Uh, Museum. He's the artist who's uh, done all a lot of the Conan, the Barbarian, or our f- fantasy art. If you saw him, he his art is really like a, a kind of cornerstone for that a, a whole style of art. So I know Britain was sort of leading a, a group of people to go to that museum on Friday. Uh, I was locked in on my hotel room with Brinley, and we sort of created. Um, uh, we grew into kind of like After Dark Live, which was we had a whole table of paints, supplies, glue, and uh, Brinley basically multi-paced his entire army in one day um, while I was painting my Abyss, my resin Abyss model from Vanguard, which I was really happy with how it turned out. And that was sort of the last component that I needed to finish for my army, and I used that as one of my war wizards. But it was really great. We had people coming into my hotel room during that hobby day, like pretty much all day long from 10 till 6 p.m. They People would come in. Shannon was in there, paint a little bit, uh, grab some glue, uh, fix some John Green came over and borrowed some paints. Um, 
So it was just kind of like a really fun to have like an, a hobby triage center set up. So if anyone, uh, you know, Dan Miner had to come in and fix some models. Uh, and for me, it was like great because I got to say hi to everyone and I didn't have to leave the comfort of my hotel room. People just kind of came up and hobbied for a little bit. And then um, it was a really great success so much that I think I'm going to uh, try to do that again for Masters next year is get a little after dark live hobby session set up for that Friday. So you have a place that you know there's going to be brushes, there's going to be glue, there's going to be paint, there's going to be guys just hanging out, all the after dark guys, so that if you got to fix anything for Masters or you just want to come and talk hobby, we're going to have a little nook, whether in my room or in the venue, you know, depending on where it's hosted next year. I think that would be like really cool to kind of make that a Friday tradition of having a little hobby group meetup. Um, He's just to be able to paint and talk with Brinley that day. We were talking strategy and just life in general. It was just like, it's really nice to be able to just hobby with your bros. So uh, that was a lot of fun on that Friday. Um, and then we went out to dinner again Friday night. Uh, and then uh, Saturday saw the start of both events. So the best of the rest played three games on Saturday. Masters played four games. Uh, but they were running in one giant hall, so all 100-plus players were all together in the same area. They were just kind of sectioned off, like these rows were Masters players and these rows were best of the rest players. But we were all as one community coming together to play Kings of War. So at first I thought, Alex, why don't you sort of talk about your list that you took the best of the rest. And then why don't you take us through your games, you know, highlights, how you did, maybe key moments in the game, your, uh, you know, opponents. Just kind of take us through your list first and then why don't you walk us through your games and then we'll follow that after with uh, my Masters games. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Um, so as always, I took rats. So in third or in second edition, I ran two hordes of blight quite frequently which disappeared so i had to like make a few adjustments going into third edition so i brought back double shock troop hordes with plague pots and one with caterpillar one with brew of strength and then as another hammer i took uh, tunnel runners with brew of sharpness because i have i like my my conversion of the doom wheels with the rat ogres on the back so i i felt like i needed to include at least one of those and I got three warrior regiments and a wretch horde for some uh, chaff and just bodies to get in the way. And then uh, for my, I took Scud the Bud, the demon spawn, and uh, the mutant rat friend. So they're kind of like a, a good duo of titans that I like to run together. And then two brood mothers, a tangle, and two claw shot troops. So. It's a smaller army than I was used to playing all of last year, but you know it it all works together very well. And I don't it's a bit of an all comers list. It doesn't do one thing exceptionally, but it stays along alive long enough to like just whittle away and you know at the opponent until you know I'm left usually at the end of the game with a sizable unit strength advantage with the help of the brood mothers and all their healing. The radiance of life with them is like is huge. It's really, really a nice addition to the army. So, my first opponent uh, was Drew Casertino. He was piloting a Varanger list, and I'd never played him before. We'd met at Unplugged, the Unplugged GT last year, so it was nice to get a chance to play him after you know meeting, getting along really well last year. Uh, his 
bearing her list was like just a bag of hammers. It's just like double frost fangs, fallen huskarls, mounted uh, suns with like cavern dwellers and stuff. So it hit really hard. So I just I got a couple of lucky waivers on one of his cavern dwellers early in this, and he got an unlucky double one on some warriors with a frostfang horde, which those things kind of helped slow him down enough for me to kind of pick apart his units. Cause they, you know, 15, 17 nerve is good, but it doesn't really usually survive a, a solid counter charge from my army. So that he couldn't quite take enough off on his charges. So I could concentrate and take his uh, hordes and regiments off. So that ended up being a pretty big win. I think it was Dom. The first scenario was dominate. So that was like my first uh, big win, which set me up to play uh, Kenneth Heisler the second K two, aka Skullface from the New England War Kings, which I was pretty excited about. K two and I, um, we faced off at my tournament, the uh, King Beyond the Wall, last summer when I was playing as the Ringer. So this is my, I was using our, the Ringer army was a herd army, which I had never really used uh, and hadn't played herd in a couple of years. So this is my first chance to play K2 with my rats, which I was looking forward to. I think it was push, which I have a terrible track record with as a scenario. But uh, again, like I just kind of slowed his army down. He had like two chariot legions and two Morax regiments and Morax troops. So it hit very hard. So again, it's just picking apart and slowing the right parts down and letting, you know, Claw Shot slowly whittle down some of his important pieces. That ended up being a pretty big win as well. He got, I got very close to picking up all, both Chariot Legions on the last turn, but couldn't quite get the nerve check. So I think it was like a 17 uh, four win for me. So that set me up to play uh, Sam Nordberg on, I think it was table two at the end of day one. He was playing Kingdoms of Men with five uh, pike regiments and two foot guard hordes and three generals on winged beasts and three heroes. So a lot of maneuverable uh, characters and a lot of, a couple of hard hitting uh, hordes with a the pike regiments are like deceptive because they take a lot of resources to take out for what they're worth. And there's three unit strength. Uh, it was playing, we were playing smoke and mirrors, which I didn't have, I think I'd only played once before. And that kind of, I think that a little inexperience with the scenario played into this game. Um, Sam and my, Sam and I matched up at crossroads when he was pretty new to the game last year, he was running Berserker, Brock uh, Rider army, like almost exclusively all Brock Riders. And that went pretty handily to me the first time. But this time, we both set up our objectives on opposite sides of the table. So it came down to, a we were tied like going into turn five and neither one of us could really break through and concentrate force to get to the other objective so it ended up being a perfect 10 10 draw it was a great rematch and uh, i think 
a bit of a rivalry going on now between us. <laughs> um, Saturday night was awesome. Like Sam and Mike Zettelmeyer joined the Ontario crew at a brew pub for some burgers and nachos. It was nice to kind of get out of this casino and, you know, take a break from all the energy. Uh, but the food was awesome. And the beer was great. And it was only like 10, 15 minutes away. So it was a nice, nice little uh, break from the, the hectic uh, environment. We got back and there's tons of people playing board games. Like we had the best of the rest and the masters, but there's also the rest of the rest, which are just people who came for the whole weekend to play board games and hang out. So it's like, there's just people out outside the gaming hall playing board games all weekend long. And then after like Friday and Saturday night, people playing board games with them. And like, it was amazing. Lots of code names, lots of like elaborate games, simple games. It was, it was pretty great. I got to hang out with a bunch of the Pacific Northwest guys. They had one, one I think it was Dan Miner and Kyle Timberlake and them had a, a room where people were just like coming in, like guys from after dark. It was like Ryan Munsell and Joey Greek and, all sorts of things and uh devlin showed up and that went pretty late i didn't stay up super late because i felt like i was doing well i think i was near the top at that point so i didn't want to stay up too late and and ruin my chances on sunday okay and then like alex just said you know the, the they were best of the rest and masters were going on at the same time so when my first opponent was going to be chris murphy from the northeast and they had said in the Masters matchup cast that we were going to have a really awesome gentlemanly sportsman game. And I have to say, uh, I was not let down. Chris was like one of the nicest guys I've ever played. Just super great, super funny, you know, really good sense of humor, just like a straight up guy. And he went on to play like almost every single person from the West Coast team. So I was really excited that my team got to all play him almost just because he was such a really great guy. He was running an undead list. Uh, so let me first go over my list. Um, and then I'll, uh, we'll circle back to what he had. So I was playing the Basileans, the finally finished, completed Basileans. I had two troops, a Paladin Foot Guard with Aegis Fragments. I had two Gur Panther troops. I had a regiment, a Paladin Knights with an Aegis Fragment and Brew of Sharpness. I had a regiment, a Paladin Knights with Aegis Fragment and Caterpillar, so Pathfinder. Two hordes of Ogre Palace Guard, one with Dwarven Ale and one with Chalice of Wrath. So two different flavors of trying to get them some waiver um, ability to deal with being wavered. Um, and then I had a horde of Elohi with Strength. Um, two War Wizards, one with Boomstick, Bane Chant, and the swap of Fireball to Lightning Bolt 4, so Lightning Bolt 7. And then I had another War Wizard with the Conjurer, Conjurer Staff. Bane Chant and Lightning Bolt 4, again, swapping out the Fireball. So I had a combined Lightning Bolt 11 with one reroll, which, as we're going to see in our games, really made a difference. I had Nia Solistus with Heal. I had bought the Heal upgrade for him, mainly because I just had the points. I was running out of points and no more models to finish or add, so Nias got Heal. And then I had Samacris, the Mother of Phoenix, who uh, has the Heal Aura, Fireball 8 with the piercing, plus heal 5. Just a really great support piece. Um, so that was my list. So, like I said, I played Chris Murphy, and he was playing an undead army with um, 
two white hordes, kind of like, you know, where do you start with an undead army? Two white hordes and Morgoth the Mandatory. As Chris dubbed him every time he moved him in our game, it was Morgoth the Mandatory. Um, and then he had a bunch of zombie regiments and uh, just some kind of some other pieces. Our game basically came down to uh, we're playing Dominate. So, so we were playing the same missions as Best of the Rest was playing. Um, so our first game was Dominate. And it really came down to two, one, two kind of key things. He gave me a regiment of wraiths uh, to kind of gum up my works. And I took a horde of palace guard bane chanted into the flank of the wraiths and only did six damage. And I was just like, oh, geez. Because that gave him a flank on my palace guard with his whites. Um, and I was just like, the master's curse continues. Uh, he charged me, and then he double wand. So... And that put me right back in the game that, you know, pretty much over the next two turns, I was able to kill both his whites. Um, and then with the white white hordes down, he didn't really have much left that could damage all my defense five iron resolve with the heal. So basically that little bit of luck sort of kind of set the tone for my event in many ways. And, that it, it, you know, I'd had a, a subpar combat role, but then I got right back into that game with that, you know, key role uh, with the double ones. And that's really kind of... How masters can go sometimes, the, the the quality of play is so high that it really comes down to these little mistakes or or little dice rolls or you know that really make a difference in your tournament. So I was able to win that game. Um, I think I had sixteen or seventeen points. So again, kind of the the thread of my event is little bits of um, luck or little bits of uh, of strategy that really played being at that points level meant I was going to play a good opponent the second round, but I wasn't playing the people who finished top in round one, like the people who scored 18, 19, 20, 21 points. I was able to kind of be slightly under that where I I still would get a strong opponent uh, or some people might say strong uh, opponent in my second round. Uh, I'm kidding because I got to play Tom Annis who, uh, destroys me on universal battle and he's part of the basilane mafia so uh, we have a secret chat group of all the basilane players um so we were playing push in that second game and tom decided to go order of the brother mark for this masters it gave him a little bit better tools to be able to deal with some um uh, kind of meta things he might uh approach in the game so he had a really 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 solid list you know the three regiments of foot guard the couple ogre hordes he had like the three characters that have the the gauntlet who are just you know tom loves to play that triple fast individuals that just gum up your works and get in front of you and you know tom uh, really knows how to use chaff and knows how to use terrain and is just such a smart player um in our game, he decided to give all his push tokens to a unit of palace guard on the left, on his right flank, my left, and just march them up the board. And what I did is I put my horde of Alohi with Brew of Strength, and I just knew it was just going to come down to I had to make sure that I was competitive in the middle, I had to win the right flank, my right flank, Tom's left flank, and then at some point the Alohi were just going to have to get in the way of the paladin foot guard so that he couldn't march them onto my side of the board. So that's pretty much what happened is just trying to trying to play tight in the middle. I was able to pick up one of his heroes with lightning bolt on my right flank. Um, 
And then uh, I started then to move the lightning bolt towards the left half of the board to just be a backup to the Alohi. So if his pallet and foot guard got through the Alohi, I could lightning bolt them off, which is essentially what happened. Um, the the, the uh, uh, Alohi were not able to kill the, the pallet and foot guard. Those guys are really survivable. And he was ready. He was able to kill my Alohi. He had a good nerve roll to take them off. But the pallet and foot guard had... I want to say somewhere between seven nine damage ish and he moved them onto our board uh, my side of the board and bottom of turn six and essentially it came down if there was a turn seven if there was a turn seven i was gonna do 11 lightning bolt with one reroll into a unit that i only needed two or three damage on to uh, take off the board and drop those tokens um and we rolled a turn seven i got it um you know, in the past, in Masters, I could never quite get that turn seven or not have there be a turn seven if I needed it. And then the game against Tom, it just, he played amazing. It really, it just came down to, I needed to have that turn seven. If I don't get the turn seven, he wins. If I, I got the turn seven and I win, pretty much that was it. Simple as that, just, you know, put myself in the game as much as I could competitively and then try to roll for that uh, turn seven and I got it, so... Uh, that put me on 2-0, and and then in my third game, I had to play the infamous uh, list, uh, George O'Connell's Goblin War Machine spam. Um, and I have to say that, you know, George was a complete gentleman. I was really happy to play him. I love his army. I think often George doesn't get credit for uh, being the, uh, uh, such a good hobbyist, and uh, I think his stuff looked great. Uh, really tough list. I mean, he said it on his matchup video cast. His list was really hard. It was much harder than mine. Um, and we we were playing on a table that sort of had some kind of impassable terrain sort of in the middle. And then there was a forest on the sort of my half of the board slightly towards my right side. There is a, a, a big forest there. And we were playing uh, Smoke and Mirrors, which was the bluff tokens. So there was a building sort of near his deployment zone that was within indirect range of his deployment zone and out of line of sight of his middle. So my thinking was, if I can get the two-point token there, I'll be able to sit on it, and he won't be able to shoot me with any indirect war machines deployed on that half of his board, and then anything in the middle won't be able to see me. And then I'm just taking small arms fire. From all his, uh, from his bangets and wingets and small arms fire with iron resolve, Samacris and my heel. That's the one thing that maybe I could survive from. So that was sort of my game plan was to dance around the forest, get some units on some tokens, uh, denying as many shooting lanes as I possibly could. I kept my Gur Panthers and my Pallet and Foot Guard troops behind the forest back on objectives, thinking that that's four targets that all have unit strength one. So if he wants to bring a wing it over, I'm going to out unit strength him. And then also it's multiple targets that he has to shoot. So if I, he just can't dump all the shooting in the one unit and take my unit strength off since it's four separate pieces of unit strength. Um, and then I just rushed my knights up the middle, knowing he's going to kill my knights. I knew he was going to get me in attrition. There's just no way with that, with his shooting, that I could even come close to trying to compete in attrition with him. So I just said, I'll lose my whole army to him, besides like the two units that I need to win the game. Um, I, I felt that that was really the only way I could be competitive against him in that game. And that's pretty much how it played out. Um, 
I felt bad. There was a little bit, uh, it, you know, with the bluff tokens, it was a newer scenario. And I don't think George fully uh, understood how the scenario did uh, played out until the until sort of the end of the game. Um, maybe it would have changed his strategy a little bit. Maybe not. You know, when you start looking backwards, it's you just who knows when it comes to that. But he, you know, uh, was a gentleman about it. And um, uh, like, again, a, a very close game. Um uh, probably my best played game of the tournament, I would say, of trying to maximize terrain and play the scenario. Uh, it's a really tough, uh, tough game, but so I was able to win that one. And then I went into my my nemesis, uh, uh, the Ferrari wearing jacket uh, man himself, Joy Greek, and we were playing um, <sighs> Loot, I believe was uh, yeah, because then it was Control and Raise the next day, so we were playing Loot. And, you know, Joey's a great player, you know, one of the better night soccer players in the country. And I know that because the last time I played night soccer was when I played night soccer against Joey at last year's Masters. And that's just one of those armies I just don't have the reps in against. I don't play it enough. I definitely feel that I just I need more practice against that army. We played a really close game. Uh, I, I was really my my lightning bolt in that game did absolutely nothing with Joey's planner apparition that I just really wasn't able to do much. Um, we had a moment at the end of the game where we were tied in tokens, and I was able to uh, kill a unit and move forward and land onto token and be winning, knowing that a horde that horde of ogre palace guard was going to get flank charged by brutes and a mind screech. But I had another horde of ogre palace guards so that when my horde killed a unit, moved forward, stopped on a token, picked it up and then was flank charged and killed. I had a response to that, but Joey did this really awesome tactical play where when he charged my unit, he reformed in a way so that he gave the token to the mind screech and how he did it was he was able and how he reformed so that my horde of ogre palace guard could not align and charge the mind screech so he used his horde of butchers uh to block out the front of the mind screech so basically he was able to get that token and then completely deny me a charge if we were to play a turn seven um but what he didn't realize is on the other side of the board he had a regiment of the um Reapers, I think, they're like the really hitty uh, Night Stalker infantry that had a couple tokens. He killed a unit just because he wanted some attrition, and he D6'd forward, and he D6'd forward into range of my Elohi with Brew of Strength, and he had no reason to do that. That was just a mistake on his part. He had one amazing play on one side of the board and then just a very small error on the other. So had we gone to turn seven, I would have had a charge, a hindered charge, with Elohi, with Brew of Strength, and the Reapers. Now, that's dicey, right? Uh, I don't know if I could have killed them or not, but I would have at least been rolling to win the game because had I killed them, I would have picked up the tokens and won that game, and he couldn't have gotten anything over to challenge those Elohi once I had the token. So had there been a turn seven, Joey maybe still wins, but it would I would have had at least I would at least have been rolling dice. Um, but no turn seven comes came, so Joey won. So I ended my day one, three, and one. Uh, and I was really excited. Um, I hadn't gotten a lot of practice games in really with this list, so I really wasn't sure how it was gonna work out. Um, so I had played some tough opponents in game one and had some um, some good success. 
Um, I had gotten one turn seven that I needed. I didn't get the other one, but I didn't have horrible rolls, but I didn't have amazing rolls either. You know, a lot of players will say, just let me roll average all day long. And that's pretty much kind of my first day was lots of just solid average, maybe slightly below, slightly above, you know, nothing crazy. It just the dice sort of just did what they did. You know, no spiking nerve rolls, but no really costly double ones either. Just kind of like really solid, average, uh, dependable rolling really saw me through that first day. Um, And then the Saturday night, we went out for another great dinner, hanging out with the buddies. Um, There's like, like I said, some Mario Kart. Ryan Munsell brought this game called Oceans that was a card game about developing species of fish. And you, you think on yourself, well, that doesn't sound interesting. And it probably was one of like the coolest card board games I've played in a long time. It's really awesome. So uh, he got it through Kickstarter, so it's not out yet. But keep a look on it. Keep a lookout for it. Super fun uh, playing that and drinking peanut butter whiskey with Dan Miner. Um, it was delicious. Uh, so, yeah, so really fun. So, um I was doing pretty good. Three and one after day one. Solid battle. Um, my my one loss against Joey was 14-7, so I got max points out of my loss. No crazy points in my wins, but just like in a nice, solid position going into day two. Um, cool. Alex, why don't you take us through your second day? Yeah, so I was kind of in a similar position, like 2-0 and 1. Got two pretty big wins and a tie, so I had a good overall position. I think I was top five at that point. Or I guess top, yeah, I ended up on table two or three again. And I ended up facing off against, like, the one list that really stood out, or one of the lists that really stood out to me going into the tournament. Um, Kyle Poole's Mincer Mob uh, Spam Dinosaur list. So he had five troops of Mincer Mobs and a regiment of Mincer Mob with a brew of sharpness with a bunch of maw beasts and flea bag sniffs and a couple of regiments of rabble and some whizzes. So it's a lot of defense and they're all squares. So they're very maneuverable. So lots of corkscrew opportunities. So it was, I knew it was going to be a, a challenging game and it was control, which is good. But for my army, I have relatively good unit strength, but he outdropped me by quite a bit so i just had to stick to a plan and not let his deployment dictate what i was going to do i just decided there are two buildings in the very middle of the board kind of dividing the tape in half so i just had to pick a side and try to take you know the two quadrants or you know sextant on the left and then move to take the middle of secure after I had secured those and I had laid a trap for what his mincer mob regiment with one of my shock troop hordes he just I miscalculated the angle just a little bit so he got out of the charge arc but it set up a triple charge or three separate charges on the rest of his troops on that flank with my other shock troops and the mutant rat fiend and the demon spawn and i think i might have sent the tunnel runners in as well so i just needed like two of those charges to go well and then that probably would have 
given me the flag pretty quickly at that point. But one of them went well, and the other two kind of were middling. So he ended up getting a flank on one of my shock troops with one of those square uh, mincer mob troops just by like a couple millimeters after the, uh, after the charges that I didn't quite see initially. Um, but I had enough weight on that flank to overcome that. And then... At turn five, six, I was repositioning to get into the middle after so my right flank was being held by like the claw shots and wretches, just kind of slowing things down. And they were doing a really good job. I had on a sniff regiment that I had wavered earlier, but I didn't uh, kill it. And turn six, we didn't get end up getting a turn seven. And turn six, his two sniff regiments were still, or the the yeah the one the non-shooting ones. I think they're sniffs. They were still alive, and their unit strength three, which I for some reason I thought their unit strength two. So he contested my two-point square where I thought he wouldn't be able to. So it ended up being tied. I had three, and he had his center one, and he had three, and he had my center one. So we both had four points. But I had won attrition, so it was an 11-9 tie, which it was a very tight game, a lot of back and forth, a lot of positioning here and like back and forth. Uh, as Kyle's a great opponent, so that was a lot of fun to face off against. You know, the list you kind of don't want to face, but it's also a good challenge. It's kind of like facing when you, Jeremy, faced off against Georgia Connell's list. It's like you, you don't really want to face it, but you kind of do. You want to like test yourself. Yeah, I mean, you want to play against the best players in the country. You know what I mean? That's what you go to an event like that. And Kyle's, you know, I mean, he's a great player. So, yeah. So I was pretty happy with an 11-9 in that position or in that situation. And that put me on table two for game five, sitting at 2-0-2. So, yeah, both my wins so far have been pretty big. So my battle was top three or four at that point. So I was pretty happy. Um, I was facing uh, William Potter, which is another New England War King and another rematch for me. I, we faced off and tied at the Unplugged GT last year in my first Northeast uh, Singles GT. I think he was my game too. So I, it was nice to get another rematch, uh, you know, try to get a W in the column this time. And it was Ray's. So he had both of his ra- or two of his raise tokens on my right flank and one on the left, and I had two of mine on the left and one on the right. So I heavily weighted my left, and he also heavily weighted my left. So he- I just put a couple a wretch horde and a, a regiment of warriors with some claw shots pointed in the general direction of the right one to kind of slow him down and he quickly grabbed his two on the right which was fine i was just trying to like i just needed to slow him down enough at that flank so that i could overwhelm him take my two and then move in and claim the middle with enough force and i set up a few good charges you know positioning warriors in the way to prevent counter charges and uh my mutant rat fiend was like MVP here, surviving a horde of foot guard with Brew of Sharpness charging him, which was 
probably the turning point because you'd think that they'd do like 20 odd wounds hitting on twos wounding on twos but they i think he only ended up doing like 11 and the mutant rat fiend was fearless 20 so he didn't quite get it on the reroll, and that gave me enough time to like just sweep down on the center objective while still protecting his third raise token and then that kind of you know inexorable wave of rats just swept up over his entire army and i ended up getting i think a 19-2 and a complete tabling on turn six at the very end so i was pretty hopeful at that point i knew you know i had the tie in the morning but i had a big win in my game five and then on the top table i know Sam was playing Alan Buner, and that was a tight win for Sam. So I knew there was going to be a little bit of repositioning at the top. So I was getting, I was pretty close. And I was pretty, at that point, I was pretty happy just going 3 0 2 and essentially going undefeated, which was, I wanted to go undefeated at a tournament this, this year. So that was a nice little check mark to get right off the bat. And I ended up uh, second in battle. But Alan ended up, who was in first, was he got the second overall prize, which was the Conjurer's Staff, and, and ended up with uh, Best General, since the second overall was a higher-ranked prize than Best General. So, and then it was uh, fifth overall with when you take uh, sports and paint into account. So I was pretty happy with that. A fit, you know, top five finish was Best General and going undefeated, which is like an amazing way to start um, the tournament season. I can't really, I couldn't have asked for a better weekend, really, tournament-wise, gaming-wise. Awesome, man. That's just really cool. And like Rob had mentioned, those, those if you haven't looked at them already, the Orktown guys who did the prizes are just unbelievable prizes. So definitely check, check them out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, they're um, incredible. So my day two uh, found me um, playing uh, control against one of my club mates from the tabletop Titans, uh, Matt Carmack. He was he's known for having played previously the Empire of Dust Chariot Army, and he was playing an Empire of Dust Revenant Skeleton Army. And Matt is a, an amazing player, uh, very 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 good. And we played control, and he is first to admit it. He just was a little too aggressive. Uh, he was a little aggressive, and before we really even got the game going, I had killed a pharaoh on a chariot and a horde of enslaved guardians. So he was kind of playing down five, 600 points. Uh, and then on my right flank, I had was holding up some of his unit strength, and he was just being a little too timid. You know, he had been too aggressive on one side and a little too timid on the other side. You know, uh He's a great player, and he, kind of halfway through the game, he we both kind of saw that maybe you know he kind of uh, made those mistakes. Um, still, really close game. Um, he had Shobik and Apophis together, which is just such a nasty combo, man. It's just really tough to deal uh, with. Those guys are just so tough. Um, but but I was able to win that game. Um, uh, and I got some, some nice points off that game. Uh, but again, he's a super solid play, player. I love his army. Um, 
very well painted, just cool themed army. Um, just that first morning of the game, you know, masters, you make a, a mistake or two, and then it's it's tough to come back from. So, so that put me in four and one. So I knew, or sorry, yeah, so four and one. So yeah, because we're going into game six. So that put me in four and one, and I knew that my last match, I probably get a tough opponent. You know, so who did I get? I got uh, the Brox and Rocks creator himself, Alex Chavez, the U.S. master from Chicago uh, two years ago. So a nice little easy game to finish off a tournament. Um, He was playing a very, you know, uh, triple earth elemental hordes in the middle. He was playing Brock troops. He had the special Brock rider hero. He had lords on the large beast. And we were playing Rays. So, again, I just decided, you know, Alex is an amazing player and there's going to be no way that I can outplay him. So I'm just going to try to play the scenario. So we were playing Rays. So I was able to pick up all three of my Rays tokens. Uh, and our game really came down to, I think, two things. I had nothing to deal with the Stone Priest who was Martyrs Praying off those central elemental hordes. I, um, Samachris, with her breath, is height three. So I could not I had nothing to deal with that stone priest. And he pretty much by the end of the game was almost devastated. So I don't know, 12, 11, 13 damage. He had taken off defense six. That was really rough. And then we just had one combat where Alex had three or four rerollable eights and, and killed um Palace Guard and killed knights, and he just killed a bunch of my stuff in one really decisive round of combat. And I just couldn't, I just didn't really have an answer to some of his list stuff. Um, I think this game showed me that Elohi with Brew of Strength are not bad by any means. They're okay. Uh, Unfortunately, on this game, they took three turns to kill a king on a large beast. But having said that, if that unit of Elohi was a paladin on a dragon, I think it would have given me more options in that game because I would have had height four that I could fly up nimble turn and threaten sides. And I just didn't have anything to do that in that game. Um, And, you know, Alex is former U.S. master, you know, amazing player. But I was able to get all three of my tokens off in raise. He got all three of his tokens and then he just controlled the middle one. I just couldn't get in it. Our attrition was pretty much, you know, even even. So I lost 14-7. So I did get max points off that loss. So I felt really happy with that. Um, just a really tough opponent. Um, a very uh, tactile opponent, uh, tactical opponent. Um, and just I just didn't quite list-wise. That was the one matchup that I truly felt. Uh, not that I lost before I started. It was a close game. But there was some stuff that I wish that I had in my list to help deal with him deal with alex's list that i just didn't have so but uh he played it perfectly he didn't make any mistakes um you know he just was able to get in that middle of the board and grind and i just couldn't deal with that stone priest so that put me at four and two but both my losses i got max points um i was hoping my sports would be okay and that i'd have a good paint score so i didn't I didn't think I would podium in Paragon, but I thought maybe I would be kind of floating around the top 10 for different categories, something around there. Um, So I was very happy when the final results came out. I tied for fourth place overall with Alex Chavez, who I lost to in the last game. I finished in the top 10 in battle. I was 10th. 
And then in paint, uh, I ended up in 11th place. So I was uh, ecstatic. I was really happy, proud uh, for how I did. Really happy that Alex had done well. I think we did the show proud. Um, so I think uh, top top points. I'll kind of take go through my top points and my suggestions, and then Alex can kind of Alex can chip chime in. Top points for the event: great atmosphere, smoothly run. The venue was great. Um, John, Corey, Corey's family that was helping out, all the staff, truly great. Um, I really loved using, uh, for the Northeast, they do a thing where every table uses the same terrain layout, which I, so that had a, a positive side and a slight critique. Positive side is I absolutely love that. I think it's fantastic. Everyone's playing the same scenario on the same board with the same terrain. Uh, conceptually, I love it. The, the critique, if it's a very small critique, that some tables had different size train. So some of the tables, the train was pretty big. Some of it was pretty small. So they weren't exactly all the same, but that becomes really difficult to do it that way because what are you going to do? Have 125 forests that are all the same size. So I get why it was that way. And they had a lot of clubs from the Northeast all come together and provide terrain. But in general, I love that way more. I'm not a big fan of dot deployment. I get it. I see both sides. But to me, my games at this Masters were so much more interesting in, in having to navigate the terrain than some of the wonky boards that we had last year in Texas. So I see both sides, why they love dot terrain and the other side. It just was nice to do something different. Um, they did an intro video, which was awesome. I guess the Northeast does that a lot of their events where they had like a, a kind of a welcome slash uh, they do a lot of videos for their tournaments. It was funny. The prizes were amazing that we've always talked about. Um, if I had some suggestions, um, four games in one day is just too much. I get it. You guys got to drive back early the next day. I guess it's hard for me to uh, to to be sympathetic to that in that the West Coast has to fly to every Masters. We fly to everything. So sometimes it's like, oh, well, if we had a game three on day two, I couldn't come because it would be longer for me to drive home. It's like I fly all the time. And granted, my situation is not the same as everyone else's situation, but because of that four games on day one, we ran into – if there was a snafu, it was the lunch. Lunch was just – there wasn't enough time. The the venue had told Corey that they would be prepared to have 100-plus guys all go to lunch at the same time, and that was not at all uh, uh, possible. Uh, there was long waits. It just was a real rough spot, and there had been more time scheduled for lunch had there been only three games on the first day. I think three games is better. Uh, I get it. You guys want to get home early on Sunday. It is masters and all the respect to the Midwest guys who drove straight for like 20 hours. I love you guys. I, I know maybe there isn't an answer to this question that would be best for everyone, but in general, I'm just not a fan of four games in one day. It's just tough. But again, I respect everyone. I don't want to discredit anyone's journey or anyone's financial situation or personal situation or anything. I totally get it. It's just for me, playing the four games is hard in one day. But besides that, hats off again to John. Half off, half Hats off again to Corey. Tip of the hat, as Mark would say. Um, really awesome event. Um, 
really masters always gets you revitalized and jacked up um for future stuff what about you alex what were some of your positives takeaways any critiques or anything what do you think yeah i will say like the one positive about the lunch snafu is that i got to hang out with uh tom annis and dustin howard for like half an hour trying to figure out what we're going to do about food and dustin came through with his uh bag of snacks so uh he provided uh, protein bars for everyone which was which was extra nice <laughs> so there is some some uh, bright spots to the the frustrations i think yeah like overall like to think that like a 120 odd person event was that like was run that smoothly is incredible like i ran a 26 person event last year and that was stressful so I, it's amazing. Like I, I think you know, Corey and John did the Northeast and like the entire like North American scene proud. Like that was an incredible event. Um, the room just had this incredible positive energy like throughout the whole place. Like you walk in, everyone's in a good mood. There's amazing looking armies everywhere. Everyone's down to talk about whatever. Like you know, everyone wants to look at everyone else's army. Everyone wants to like you know, you know what do you like, ask questions about, and everyone's willing to listen and you know share about like what their army is, why they brought it, what they did, like where they're from. It was just this amazing you know community that was you know 100 you know 20 odd people in one room for the whole weekend, and it's just like everyone was cool all the time. Um, I was like, in just competitive, it was like a super competitive group, but, and I was like, I was close to the top tables all weekend, but it was, everyone was just happy. Like, there's no stress, there's no tension. It's just like a super friendly, jovial group. Everyone was just excited that, you, you know, you got to, you know, I think it was like round four. I just like looked down the aisle and like Kevin Spear and I looked, you know, locked eyes, like, like you know, excited to see each other. And then I saw like, Jake from like Jake Cherpika and like a bunch of my club mates. And I just looked and there's like 16 guys. And I'm like, every one of these guys I would love to be across the table from. And everyone's having a good time. Like, and it's like, you know, Sunday morning after, you know, two nights of, you know, drinking and partying and gaming and everyone's still just like having a great time and super positive. I think that was just like my, my, my big takeaway from the whole weekend. Like nothing, you know, sure. It took a little long to get food on, saturday but we had like a great brunch buffet after game uh the, the sunday morning game and everything just went so smoothly and it's just like everyone was in good mood like i think we we're a bit lucky only having three games on saturday because you know a bunch of us were just watching game four and you could tell it was like it was wearing on some of the guys like you didn't want to get too close to some of the tables just because you're like oh you want to watch and support your friends but you also like it was it was getting a little stressful so i think you kind of hit the nail on the head like i think it's a bit more uh sustainable mentally to do three and three because i don't think i had it in me to play a fourth game on saturday so i was pretty happy that we got to only play three i had the best of the rest yeah and a uh, shout out to um, Eric Trowbridge for winning. Uh, he is our 
U.S. Master. Congrats to you, Eric. I know you and Kyle and Felix, Secret Chat Cave, you guys put in the hours. You know, Eric and Kyle will play five, six, seven games, some crazy amount of games in a day in preparation. And if I was to say who played the most third edition games in preparation for Masters, Eric would be in my top three of who I was to guess had put in the most work. So it's nice to see someone get rewarded for all the hours of practice. And, um, you know, I had the privilege to play Eric last year at Adepticon, and maybe we'll see each other this year. But, uh, you, you know, one of the hardest working guys of Kings of War as far as getting those reps in. So well earned to him. Uh, congratulations to Tim Smith for taking down Paragon. Um, again, a great uh, 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 banner bearer for the hobby. You know, congrats to Austin uh, for winning Best Painted. Congrats to Scott Holcomb for do- dominating Player's Choice with his amazing pirate-themed army. Um, if you guys haven't seen the pictures, you haven't been on the internet, a um, bunch of cool stuff. Uh, he had so happy that he won the boomstick as his prize. It's like such yeah. a prize for his army. <laughs> yeah, so he won for Player's Choice the boomstick, which was like a steampunk blunderbuss, which like matched the pirate army perfectly. And again, he had really that's essentially his whole master's journey was about winning players choice. Every choice that he made, every hobby choice list choice was informed by that was his goal to compete in players choice. So um, congrats to him. I'd like to say a shout out to the West team. You know, a few years ago, the West team consisted of Rashad and myself and six mercenaries and in um the last three years, we built a team to uh, where we had eight in-region players this year. Um, we uh, finished third in hobby. Uh, we had a couple of strong uh, – third in hobby is a hobby region. We had strong performances in battle. Uh, we had some good performances in sports. You know, we really uh, are improving in leaps and bounds. So, you know, shout out to Dustin and Tony and Mike and Kyle and Scott and Rashad and my main man, Britton. You know, uh, congrats to all you guys. Um, thank you for helping to build the West into a, uh, a, a legitimate uh, region. I just want to do a shout out to uh, Kevin Spear for winning overall at the Best of the Rest. So, you know, I think he... You, he is truly like an overall player. Like his paint, he was top in paint, top in sports. And like he had, he was on the top tables all weekend long too. Like he had a great weekend. And I think he's a great ambassador for the Northeast and what we stand for. So congrats, Kevin. Yeah, definitely congrats to Kevin Spear. You know, way to go. Like you said, Alex, really a uh, an ambassador of all things uh, that we love about the hobby. Um, any other final thoughts? Yeah, I just want to, thank all my opponents like i know i had three rematch great rematches with uh, amazing opponents and two new you know faced off against two new opponents and just just want to shout out to like everyone that i got to meet this weekend like like you're talking about all the guys from the west like in after dark and they you know it's just you know i got to meet rashad and brenton and devlin and so many people that like we've shared after dark with that i got to meet in person which was you know it's just that's one of the special things about masters is that you just you get to bring in the the whole continent together and just you know share the hobby with these people that you know you just exchange facebook messages or posts with and you finally get to put faces to names and you know just see everyone's army up close like being able to see austin and brenton's you know armies up close is just like 
it's you know mind blowing and like you said, just a huge inspiration and it just like reaffirms why we're involved in the hobby. So I think it was a great weekend. So a question to you guys. First question, who was exactly the way you thought they would be? And question number two, who was exactly the opposite of how you thought they would be? In regards to like meeting for the first time. Yeah, because you know, we've got these online personas where we're talking on After Dark or we're chatting on Facebook. Um, wh- who, who are the players that you showed up and you're like, oh, you're just like you are on Facebook. And then who are the guys that you know, maybe are more extroverted on the Facebook or on After Dark and maybe more recluse. You know what I mean? Like, that's not like what you were expecting. Definitely. Um, I can go first. So as far as like pleasant surprises, and I don't even want to say pleasant surprise, but like my game with George was really a fun tactical game. And, you know, uh, George has uh, a reputation, maybe sometimes, for being a really tight player or bring or a crazy or, person. Or you know, okay, I was uh, I, I was being <laughs> nice, but you're right. No, no, I mean he's got a reputation that he, he leans into, right? He is the wrestler's heel, right? He's the yeah. bad guy, uh-huh. and and that's fine, but that's not George in person. No, I was really like, uh, especially when you lose. Uh, when when maybe a thread of why you lost is because you didn't quite fully understand the scenario and maybe that informed your choices, maybe you didn't. I thought he was a real gentleman in our game. We shook hands. We had no – there was no really issues in our in, in our game. If, if there was anything against George's, maybe like he said in his video, he was just a little rusty. So there was a little – maybe a little rusty play. Um, but as far as that, he would – anytime he'd shoot with a unit, he'd mark it with a little die to try to you know make sure he was like playing correct. So I would say – I was really happy to play George, uh, and and to really uh, try my try against that tough list. So um, he was probably my uh, happiness, you know. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say as far as other things, um, I chatted with Austin a lot on After Dark and on Messenger about painting and stuff like that. But when you meet Austin in person, he's like so shy and quiet, right. and mm-hmm. he's like. He's like, hey, how's it going? And he's always so more more gregarious every time I've talked to him online. So I always notice that about him. It's really nice guy, totally polite, but he's always like a little kind of shy whenever I, I see him in person. So you had two surprises. Yeah, I think is what you're saying. For me, the surprises were like, um, you know, meeting Rashad in person. Like he's even more energetic and uh, you know a little bit of a. You know, he's got more frenetic, but also friendly energy in person, which is cool. Because, like, you know, chatting on After Dark and stuff like that, you get a sense of the of the person. But, like, you're sitting at your hobby desk painting. And, like, in real life, you know, it's, it's nice. Like, he's got a lot of really good positive energy. And then Dustin Howard's even bigger than you think online. So he's there's a lot of everything is bigger in Texas <laughs> kind of about him. L- literally, physically. Yes, <laughs> yeah. large than I expected. Yeah. Uh, and because uh, in his Facebook photo, you just see his face. It's hard. Yeah, he's sitting with his mom or something at like a wedding. Yeah, so it's, it's tough to like gauge. <laughs> you hear about Super Beast, but then like to like yeah. sit beside him. Yeah, he's uh, a large man. He's a large <laughs> dude. And we're not saying fat. We're saying wrestler physique, you know, big, strong man. He's yeah. a large guy. In all the ways that you would want your 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 man to be large, he is that way. 
<laughs> wow, I didn't know this kind of line of questioning was yeah, going to take that's, us that's in this. Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll leave it to you. De- well, Devlin's made me really re-examine my life. Uh, I've been having to ask myself a lot of tough questions after my run-in with uh, Devlin after his drunken game with Brian Birdier, and really that's all I feel like talking about in regards to that. So Okay. And Devlin right. is even younger looking in real life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, perpetually 22. <laughs> I got to say, it's just nice to see everyone like in person. Mm-hmm. It was just an awesome weekend. Cool. Well, on that note, we're going to take a little break, and then we come back, we're going to talk all things Adepticon prep, uh, our thoughts on Adepticon, and what we have scheduled. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Rob Berman, and you're listening to Countercharge. Welcome back to Countercharge, and now we've talked about the best of the rest, we've talked about the U.S. Masters, and now let's talk about the great event that's upcoming this month at the end here on, I believe it starts on March 25th. Adepticon. So, uh, first of all, just to mention, there's three spots left for Clash of Kings. Let's get them filled so we can start a wait list. The faster we can get that wait list started, the faster we can attempt to grow this, you know, to grow the tournament. I think right now, Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, they're, they're capping it at 66. Is that right? Uh, yes, it is. It's at 66. And like you said, last time I checked, I think we were at, we were at four spots and then we got one sold, Rob. And we got down to three. Got it. That's, yeah, so that's we just got three left. So let's get them filled so that the waitlist can start. We can start asking or begging Adepticon uh, for more for more space. Um, so let's just talk about Adepticon um, because this is like, uh, you know, comparing it to the U.S. Masters, it's, it's, it's almost the the opposite end of the spectrum. The Masters is an invitational tournament where you've competed all year. Um, you know... I know Ronnie has used this uh, metaphor a few times, and I think it's it, it works. You know, golf has the Masters and it has the U.S. Open, right? I think the same sort of thing here. the the, the U.S. Masters for Kings of War it's an invitational. You got to be invited. You got to earn your way on the team. Adepticon, uh, you know, the the Adepti Clash or the Clash of Kings for the U.S. completely open. Just show up. Everybody's welcome. And so it's a completely different environment. The other thing I would say is. Whereas the U.S. Masters is a is running an event where it's specific to Kings of War, Adepticon is Adepticon. I mean, it's six thousand, I think, plus people of you know tabletop miniature gaming goodness, and so uh, every game system from Age of Sigmar to Kings of War to Saga to Bolt Action to I mean, literally, if there's a miniature game, it's played at Adepticon. Um, I I can I could go on for a while, Jeremy. Why don't you chime in a little bit because I know you've been to one, and you, you, I think that gives you an interesting perspective. Yeah, so I you know as I talked about on the show before, Adepticon uh, was always sort of like a bucket list event for me, and it really should be a bucket list for anyone who loves miniature wargaming. Because to me, not only is Adepticon about the Clash of Kings, which, as Rob said, is sort of the U.S. Open to the Masters Masters, right, where it is a prestigious event. You can win a ticket to England, and it's open to anyone. Um, it's not just about that. Adepticon is about bringing people who love miniature wargaming, who love miniature painting, who love all aspects of the hobby. It is the Disneyland, the Mecca it really is an amazing event if you love the hobby in a holistic way, which I've grown up in this hobby. So for me, that was one of the reasons why Adepticon was on my bucket list. 
And when I went last year, I didn't know what to expect, but I was not let down in any way, shape, or form. It was amazing. The tournament was fun. The vendor hall is just like nerdgasm after nerdgasm, like, you know, take me away, uh, please. Uh, just amazing. Um, uh, you have Mantic Night. You get to hear what's coming up. You get to hang out with all your Midwest bros. You know, so it really is a great event. We have um, last year we did this. We uh, Rob, Jeff Swan, and I got an Airbnb. We have that again, but now this year we have uh, Jeff, Rob, and myself. We have Pat Allen, uh, former U.S. Master. We have Britton coming from California, yeah, uh, and we have Devlin and Chris Bowen from Memphis. We're gonna have a full crowd. Yeah, so we're gonna have a full crowd hanging out drinking playing games just having a great time um it's going to be uh just just a really fun event um so for my adepticon schedule i have uh thursday so i'm, I'm getting in wednesday thursday uh steve hildrew and myself are playing in the doubles tournament for second place oh well, well Corey I mean, Ren- Corey Reynolds and Chris Peltier are, are maybe hey, too. Hey, baby, paint rate. We're gonna we're actually gonna score paint at this event. There's gonna I'm be just saying. I think there's gonna be some. Usually, double events are like, huh, it's a little, you know. Uh, yeah, but there's gonna be some teams. So hey, or, hey, or hey, I'm not even playing. I'm just gonna let Jeff tell us what to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Corey and Chris are gonna be one to watch. That's gonna be their paint. Yeah, Chris. Chris is an amazing player. He really uh, is. I and I and I loved last year at Adepticon. He had laser engraved some like rings that he hangs on the units for the magic artifacts, which I thought yes. were very cool. Very cool. Yeah, he was one of my opponents last year. Total like just really really nice. Super guy. nice guy. Super yeah, nice he guy. He was yeah. hanging out at Masters too this year. It was nice to be. Uh, like you know you know together again it feels so good so uh reunited as as Corey was singing um so that's on my uh uh, thursday schedule gonna be playing with steve uh i'll be playing my vaseline and steve's gonna be borrowing some ogres from rob so that alignment wise we can be matched up um friday i am taking a painting seminar i've always last year i didn't sign up for any seminars rob because i just wanted to kind of experience adepticon that first time just kind of go with the flow and see what's available instead of bogging yourself down in a classroom yeah it makes sense so uh this time having been once i've signed up i'm taking one the one painting seminar that i really wanted to get in on which was a a true metallic metal. So I like doing true metallic metal, which means you're using metal paints, but you're still using complex shading and washing to create the illusion of non-metallic metal. But it's like a hybrid style. It's I really like it. That class was sold out, but I'm, I've signed up with Lynn Stahl to do a painting hair workshop. I always, when I paint hair, I just kind of am like, oh, uh, base color, dry brush, highlight, done. Just do it. So I feel like it's an area in my hobby that I could get a little better on. So I have a hair, a hair workshop. I was then I was telling this to my girlfriend. I was like, "Ooh, I'm signed up for a painting hair workshop," and she just like rolls her eyes at me. She thinks it's so funny. But so that's my Friday, Uh, and then Saturday will be Saturday Sunday will be Clash of Kings, and then we're all going to be booking it to the airport because we're coming back Sunday night. Um, what about you, Rob? What's on your Adepticon schedule? So I'm playing Thursday uh, in the doubles event with Jeff Swan. Super excited. We both have new armies that have never seen the table before. So uh, I'm not going to spoil. I mean, you've seen bits and pieces of the Halfman, but uh, yeah. So we, we we yeah. So I'm excited to get those guys out. They're 
you know, Jeremy, you said it before, you know, you're painting your bass lanes to the highest standard. Exactly the same thing. I mean, if I'm dumping, you know, three or four hours per model minimum on some of these units, I'm really, I'm, I'm very happy with the way they're coming out. So going to be super excited to show those off and what Jeff's showing off, which he's not talked about. And I don't think anybody knows. So it'll be a nice little surprise, but I'm, I, I love the, I mean, let me just say doubles events are my favorite events. Obviously that's why I started the blue Cedar brawl, right? Because I like doubles events. And uh, the only thing that's unfortunate is I, I really would rather they had the doubles event on Friday because I think the fact that it's on Thursday is kind of maybe um, reduced the potential number of people. Cause I think there's only like 10 or 12 teams signed up basically because, you know, Thursday is that, some people are just getting in. And so I, I would really hope next year that we switch it so that, you know, it's a little later in the week. It, so more people can play, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the Friday I'm signed up for the Vanguard tournament. I am in a little bit of a pickle in that I've got an army or a, a, a faction to paint a war band to paint. And I am, I'm painting the, the half band. I've got more stuff. To, I've still got to finish my pike and I got some more stuff. So I hope I can get them finished. And if I can't, well, then I'm going to have to use something I've already used before. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, so that's Friday's Vanguard tournament. And then Saturday and Sunday, I was not intending. I was not intending to play Clash of Kings. I was intending to just be a ringer and just help out. But I got called out. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that, Rob. Let's talk a little bit about that uh, first round action that we got going on. Yeah, so I think it started with... Was Kyle the first one to call yeah, out Kyle Steve? And, yeah, Kyle. Kyle from Ky- Kyle Pritzel Twinkie. Yeah, Mastercrafted called out Steve, uh, and then Jesse called you out. Now, and Jesse's already played me and, and whooped me handily, so I'm not much of a you know match for him. So you were the right choice because um, let's be honest, Mark doesn't play Kings of War. So that left Jesse, the other Jesse, the pretty Jesse, uh, to call me out. And, th- and Jesse, if you're listening, thanks for calling me out because I don't want to grudge down. So. I appreciate you coming up, climbing up the ladder. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna put you back down, so it's fine. But yeah, it's gonna be great. I can't wait. Hopefully, they'll put you know. I'm sure Shannon will put us on tables that are really close together, and we'll have a heck of a heck of a time. Because yeah. um, honestly, the, uh, it doesn't really matter. I don't really care about winning and losing. The ra- reality is, I'm just here to have fun. And I've already played Jesse, the pretty Jesse, once. Had an awesome time. It was a lot of fun. Um, I know you've played Kyle before, right? Um, yeah, we played at last Adepticon, right? And I think you crushed him, so that's probably why he didn't. Um, <laughs> that's probably why you, he didn't challenge you, right? Uh, maybe. I mean, that game was a, was a, a lot. Uh, a close. Well, we're talking about challenges, right? So I got to put nice Jeremy, the loving Jeremy, the right. supportive and nurturing hey, Jeremy aside. Hey. I got to put that Jeremy aside. So yeah, I beat the ever living crap out of Kyle. <laughs> so I beat I beat the Padawan, and I beat the crap out of Jesse when we played my 11th game prior to Chicago Masters. I was still, you know, I was exhausted, but still focused. Oh yeah, on beat the crap out of him. So now yeah. it's like uh, the big man wants another piece. He wants another mm-hmm. piece. So you know, so you get put, put you got to put the dog down. It's got rabies. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's just what's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, give him one more hope for joy that he can try to achieve in his life and then you know got to multiply that love and we're exactly gonna, uh, and hopefully shannon will put our three tables yeah together. that'd be awesome that'd and be awesome. Uh, we'll have a master crafted burst uh counter charge uh yeah off so exactly be it'll be a lot of fun i i don't know yet what army i'm gonna play for clash of kings though because i don't think i have i haven't messed around with it but i don't think i'm gonna have enough kings of men uh, to 20. So for those that don't know, it's a goofy 20 to 20. 
Yeah, 2220 right? using what? the 1995 uh, it, army selection it, it, rules. I, I just I don't get it. I, I that's weird. I guess because it's Shannon says because it's 2020. So I don't know. You know. It's yeah, but it's not 2020. It's 2220. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, if it would have been like 2020, that makes sense to me. I think it's 2020 plus 10 percent of 2020. Ugh, well, that makes that makes it all the less convoluted and complicated. <laughs> right. And leave it to yeah. Leave, leave it to the computer science guy to mess it all up for us, make it difficult. But so yeah, I don't know if I have enough. Uh, if I'll have enough, I think the last I looked, I had around sixteen hundred points. So I don't think I have enough of the half men to, to, to play them. So I'll probably end up just playing ogres. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, you're playing your Basilean, I assume. Yeah, so I'm going to play, be playing the Basileans. I think as of right now, it's going to be a, a, a very similar list to what I took at Masters, which will allow me my painting for Adepticon. will be working on my Paladin Footguard troops that I didn't quite get up to my standard, so I'll be working on that. Um, I have a lot of plans for Basileans, and then also I'm beginning to kind of think about what my next project's going to be. Um, hobby-wise, I'm getting my hobby set all set up, all set up in my new place. But yeah, so I'll be playing the Basileans unless I try to totally change it out. Uh, uh, Jesse told me today as I've been snooping in all the ogre threads of his army that he's going to last minute take Trident Realms that just mess with me. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, Jesse's my bro, man. He's so much fun. He made me laugh so hard at Adepticon Mantic Night last year that I cannot wait. I can't think of a better way to start off a game than playing with a, a player who's not only really solid and a great player, but who you just enjoy being around. Yeah, so. and Mantic Night's going to be another great night. I, I'm, uh, I've heard the, tea, I've been reading the tea leaves, and some of the stuff they're going to show is, is, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. So, hey, and a shout out to all you good players out there. Uh, let's not Chris Capsner this event. So, if you actually have a chance to win, bring a Mantic Army so you can go to the UK. Oh, geez. Oh, speaking of Chris, gl- glad to hear Lake Swat is back up and running. They had a reboot episode, so I posted on it on the show. So if you haven't listened to it yet. Is Michelle on? That's all I want to know. No, she's not. Oh, then I'm not listening. Okay. She was the reason why I listened. To- well, she's, yeah. she's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm um, just kidding. Just kidding, Chris. We'll give it a listen. We'll give it a listen. It's just nice. You know, it's always good to have more content being produced. It is. Um, yeah, good content is uh, hard to come by sometimes. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, stuff that's like well thought out researched and articulated um i appreciate it so yeah keep it up chris who's who's he on with i i, I have not had a chance to jesse listen to Berglund. it yet. okay um, i like jesse a lot you know jesse, got to hang out with him a lot last year at, at um buggier gt you know jesse is known for uh, playing super nasty shooty elves which yes. now he's kind of uh developed into more of a, a alpha strike and then eldon uh, sorry if i pronounced your last name wrong crotch Junior, uh, he's another Midwest guy. He used to do, uh, I think he used to run Lady of the Lake before Chris took over back in the Warhammer days. So okay, he's cool. been working on a Basilean army, and he likes to climb ice cliffs. So sounds like an interesting dude. Uh, we, yeah, we've been chatting a little bit, you know, uh, on the side. So. Uh, I think that's the idea, um, and they kind of covered in their first episode what they thought about third edition and and sort of what they're up to. So definitely go check it out. Um, I think their goal is to get a monthly episode out. Good, good. Did I hear that Chris is going to have a magic army? Well, I think that's the the, the a year plan. too late though. 
Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, does lightning strike twice? It's got to. Otherwise, Ronnie's just going to, like, kick him out of the hobby and say, you're gone. You're fired. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, t- I, I you know I have to say it. My boy, my boy Tim is he's a great painter, a good sport, excellent general. He's one of those guys that's well rounded. He's got a good shot, you know. Unless you know, because he'll ha- he'll have a he'll be there. He'll be near the top, and you know he'll have a Mantic army. So I hope you guys that want to go to the UK, you know, are playing one of the factions that, that Mantic makes models for. It'll be interesting to see how the limiting of two the limit of two will affect his goblins if he brings them right because he normally he has been running six war machines lately i believe so well actually you could yeah i think i think honestly that i don't think that impacts goblins as much as we might think but we'll see yeah they have a few more options yeah so i'm excited uh i'm pumped yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Eric Trowbridge again. That that orc list he has is just so good that if he's coming and bringing that, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there as well again. Um, yeah, so it's going to be an awesome event. Lots of stuff planned for Clash of Kings. The Airbnb, Airbnb and Party House is is ready for takeoff. You know, Pat Pat's been kind of taking a break from some events too, but but he's going to be back at it. You know? Oh, I'm excited! I'm I'm excited to, to be with the master, the original master, the original mm-hmm. master. Uh, yeah, he is. For those that haven't had a chance to hang out with him, he's probably one of the funniest guys because he's like understated and it's cool just, as a uh, it's just yeah, he's just awesome. I love hanging out with. Him. Actually, you know, Texas guys in general are really awesome. So I'm super pumped for Adepticon. I, I can't. And here's the thing: what I'm most pumped for is all the stuff I don't know is coming. Because <laughs> like every time you go, you're surprised. You're like, oh my god, look at this new terrain set or this new whatever. Or hey, oh my god, here's this person I used to play Warhammer with, like. 10 years ago and because uh, y- you're going to see friends new and old, right. That you haven't seen, you know, some, in some cases haven't seen in like six or seven years. And you know, when the sundering happened, you know, while a good money of us went and played Kings of war, some went and played age of Sigmar, some went and played whatever. And they're all going to be there, which is awesome. Especially the guys from the Midwest. We're going to see a ton of guys from the Midwest. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, uh, for Adepticon and I am chomping at the bit. It's just, the only problem is I've got some more, a lot of pain to do and I just counted, I've got eight more pikemen to do. So that's probably like a week's worth of time. And then I've got, I mean, you can't have kingdoms of half men without artillery, right? Yep. So I've been told, it. so you, you got, gotta have it. I mean, you it. gotta, so a thousand points, you know, I mean, what's three, what's three war machines, right? Yeah. Come on, come on. And then Mark will be there, obviously, too. So we'll be able to catch up with with Mark and and see how and Colin too. Yeah, Colin, Colin will be there. Kick wrecking face in some zombie side. He's yeah. a he's a he's a he's a savant in the uh, the zombie side circles. And no one and no one doesn't play Kings of War as well as Mark does. So it's really good to see like someone really perform in that at like a very right. Well, he he relishes the role, right? Let's be honest. <laughs> I love you, Mark. I mean, if you're not going to play Kings of War, he plays King. He doesn't play Kings of War like the best of them. And that's what I'm telling you. He is the master yeah. of not playing Kings of War. So, my question style. to you, though, is are you actually going to win anything this year in terms of, you know, when the prize wagon comes through, are you going to be there this time to actually get an army Dude, box? I got to try because that was crazy. I was like in the wrong row last year. I got to yeah. try to figure out. We'll have to we'll have to have to try to make sure we're time it correctly so that we're ready to receive the bounty. Yeah. It's, for those who don't know, they basically brought a big thing of prize support. And we're just like it's like Oprah. It's like. You want an army box? You want an army You get box? a mega army. You got an army. You got a regiment. Box. Yeah, so, it's awesome. Yeah. 
and it's going to be great to see all the Mantic fellas, see Ronnie again, you know, saw him at Masters, which was great. But, um, yeah, you know, I think uh, as we wrap up the show, the hobby's never been as alive. Kings is on a roll. As a community, we're being we're working collectively to make the community that we all want to be a part of, to make the events that we want to play in, to promote the type of play that we want to play against. And I just want to say shout out to every single person at Masters. If I didn't mention you and we met, I just it was great to meet everyone. And I want to be uh, say thank you to everyone else who's like minded and that we're tr- trying to make this community to be the best community that we can, and so that it's uh, fun for. Uh, players of all sizes, shapes, and styles to have a good time in. Yeah, and I do want to mention, it's been a while since we've had a chance to record together, but we did have International Campaign Day uh, not too long ago. Huge thanks to Ben and the guys for running that event. It was I'm, Here in Memphis, we had a great time. Um, what can you say? Because um, you know, you, what you were saying, just kind of thought, thought about, you know, it's not always about competitive play. Sometimes it's just fun to have a narrative game where it's not about winning and losing, but about telling the story. And so that narrative event really uh, helps helps do that really well. Yeah, and I just want to echo Jeremy and just thank everyone that I played and everyone who was involved in organizing and everyone I got to meet over the weekend. It's just an incredible experience. And I think we're part of something really special here. And it's it's great. And I really... I'm really appreciative of all of it. Thank you. Thanks for rubbing it in, guys, that I couldn't go. No, I'm just kidding. Well, we missed you, Rob. Like I said, there was a spot, there was a spot in the corner, too, that had, like, a, a thing to get water. And it would it would have been where you were sitting. So I kept, like, looking at it, and it was, like, you know. Uh, Could have had the table and the banner and the mics. Mm-hmm. And I just look at it, and it's like, we've only just begun <laughs> That's to right. live. And I just, like, think of you, and my tears would start to form. But then I would Absolutely. just have to get focused back on crushing Tom Anderson's face. So Right. Hey, and huge shout-out to, to – Devlin, uh, who jumped in last minute to fill in for a, a drop on the Southeast team uh, to play. So uh, our local boy did good. And so uh, he, he uh, was thrown to the wolves a little bit uh, in the Kingdoms of Men. Uh, Chris Fisher, uh, War Machine. Welcome to Masters. Welcome to Masters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, before we do get out of here, I do want to mention that Muson Minis now has a um, objective zone uh, set for Kings of War. It's basically your little token with it's basically a neoprene mat that shows the three inch bubble around the tokens. Um, I picked, I was able to grab a couple sets at, um, indie storm. They're really fun. Um, on one hand, you know, I've always been kind of like a little bit averse to these because they kind of detract from the aesthetic of the table, but from a, from a learning the game perspective, I think it really helps new players to understand because you can clearly see, on the table, the token and the range in which they have to get in there. So I, I've been using that as like kind of training tool, and that's been that's been very neat. So uh, you can get them from museonminis.com. Uh, it's actually sorry, you can get them from museonstore.com and just go in there and look for objective zones for use with Kings of War. I think they're like thirty two dollars for a set of seven. Um, and then while that may sound a lot, these are neoprene, full color, and they're pretty good size. Um, and actually, there's two patterns. There's one of a, there's four of one and three of another, so you can actually have some differentiation in terms of the uh, the objective tokens. So if you haven't checked them out, please do. Mark Taylor uh, obviously uh, brought them to my attention, and once I saw them, I was like, wow, those are really cool. So uh, show, show our community and stores that, that support us some love. Yeah, shout out to Mark, uh, another tabletop titan. It's going to be awesome to see him at uh, Adepticon. He'll probably be hanging out with us at the Airbnb. So, yeah. Um, 
Well, awesome, fellas. Uh, what a killer event. Super fun. Uh, it just we go from, like you said, from Masters into Clash. Just bam, bam. What a month for Wargaming. So, um, well, that will do it for us this time. And remember to always keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Counter Charge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. 